part 13 of the Tipitaka Recitals on Edward Reeves Buddhist Books podcast. Also, it is episode 74 on the uh, YouTube and 75, uh, thank you, of the, okay, a little more please, nah, well, maybe later, 75, we're in New Delhi, by we I mean me, um, so that's what that noise is. Um, so, today is the day we get to Parajika, part three. I hope that was photogenic, because that will be the video's thumbnail. Anyway, a um, little bit of behind-the-scenes stuff going on here. Yes, so the part one was the sexy stuff, part two was no stealing, part three, I don't know. I didn't read ahead, so we're going to find out, and if the previous two sections were any indication... It'll probably start with a story about a monk who does this, and then for reasons which you can kind of understand, ends up doing something awful, and then the Buddha has to say, that's not allowed, you get kicked out if you do that. And then some other monks are like, well, he said that you get kicked out if you do that, but not if you do exactly the same thing, but in a really weird way involving a monkey or involving some other you know, situation. And then, uh, then Buddha has to clarify for about an hour and a half to two hours. Okay, there's no exceptions to the rule. If you do it like this, you're out. If you do it like this, you're out. If you do it like this, but you almost do it, but you don't quite do it, you're not out, but we need to have a talking to. So that's what's happening. Um, so I was going to open up by saying uh, this is a reaction video, except instead of reacting to, you know, music videos and Bo Burnham and, uh, you know... Um, like Zoomers reacting to Police Academy for the first time, we're reacting to a 19th century scholarly translation of a, you know, B.C. 500-400 religious uh, text. Uh, But uh, anyway, but first, I would like to welcome our special guest, Adi Buddha. So just a little bit of review. Uh, What we're reading is old school, original early Buddhism, basically, the closest you can get to that in text form. And uh, then if you fast forward a few hundred years, then uh, there's King Ashok, hello, uh, and uh, yeah, then you have later Theravada, right? And then you fast forward a few hundred years, and then you have uh, Mahayana, they're the big vehicle. So everything before them, they call Hinayana, which means the little vehicle. And because they became so popular, that's the name that 90% of people who are aware that there are different kinds of Buddhism refer to that as Hinayana. I personally don't. I think that that's kind of a narrow view, <laughs> ironically, right? And then uh, you fast forward a few hundred years, and you have Vajrayana. So Adi Buddha comes from Vajrayana. So early Buddhism, Vajrayana. Let's learn a little bit about Adi Buddha, shall we? Just to mix things up a little bit. <clears throat> In Vajrayana Buddhism, the Adi Buddha is the first Buddha, or the primordial Buddha. Another common term for this figure is Dharmakaya Buddha. The term emerges in Tantric Buddhist literature. And for those of you in the West, Tantric means the movement that started around the 200s and lasted through the 400s and became more popular into the 600s and 700s in Hinduism as well as Buddhism, which mostly meant that you do the rituals in your own house using bells and incense and stuff like that. 
And there were a few other aspects of it which became <gasps> very shocking to the British 150-some-odd years ago when they started learning about it. So that's the part that you know about. It is part of it, but it's a very small part of it. Does that make sense? Are we all caught up? Anyway, so Vajrayana is also Tantric Buddhism. Um, Adi means first. Oh, yeah, most prominent in the Kala Chakra. We'll have to get a copy of that and put it in the, uh, the old bookshelf and read it in the distant future. Adi means first, such that the Adi Buddha was the first to attain Buddhahood. Adi can also mean primordial, not referring to a person, but to an innate wisdom that is present in all sentient beings. So thank you, Adi Buddha, for your presence with us. If you want to see him up close. Yes. So there you have it. Um, this here is a Vajra, as in Vajrayana. Vajra also means um, diamond and thunderbolt, uh, but mostly it refers to this, but this is also thought of as a diamond or a thunderbolt. So there's, in, according to Mahayana, there's the small vehicle, then there's themselves, which are the big vehicle, and then Mahayanists, if that's a word, developed Vajrayana, which is lightning path, right? So... Um, this actually was my dad's Dorja. Presumably it was uh, one that my grandpa picked up in Western China sometime between 1919 and 1920s, 30s. And then my dad used it. Uh, you know, he learned how to use it from someone, from a guru. And uh, then it was actually the 16th incarnation of the Karmapa that put these strings on it. And believe it or not, they used to be red and blue. And so number one rule was... Don't take the strings off the door jab, right? Other kids have other sorts of rules, but I, those were my rules growing up. So there you have it. Shall we get to the reading? Uh, yes, let's. All right. Anything else? Anything I haven't covered? If you're still with me, uh, oh, that reminds me. If you, this is your first time seeing me and um, you're on YouTube, go ahead and click here. That will take you to the TP Taka playlist. You can start with episode one. It's probably a better place to start. And for those of you on the podcast, hello. All right. Parachika, or defeat, part three. Yes, Roman numeral three or something. Because part chapter, we, we, you know, these delineations. All right. Because it's the Tipitaka recitals, part 13, Parajika, Roman numeral 3. I don't know, Parajika 3. At one time, the enlightened one, the Lord, was staying at Visali. That's where she's from, basically. In the pavilion of the gabled hall in the great wood. At that time, the Lord talked in many ways to the monks on the subject of the impure. He spoke in praise of the impure. He spoke in praise of developing contemplation of, in parentheses, the impure. He spoke thus and thus in praising of taking the impure as a stage in meditation. Then the Lord addressed the monks thus, quote, I wish, monks, to go into solitary retreat for a half month. 
I do not wish anyone to come up to me except the one who brings my alms food. End quote. Very well, Lord, the monks answered the Lord. And accordingly, no one went up to the Lord except the one to take him alms food. Then the monks said, quote, The Lord has talked in many ways on the subject of the impure. He spoke in praise of the impure. He spoke in praise of developing the contemplation of the impure. He spoke in praise of taking the impure as a stage in meditation. End quote. These monks dwelt intent upon practice of developing contemplation of the impure in its many different aspects. But they were troubled by their own bodies, ashamed of them, loathing them. It is as if a woman or a man, when young and of tender years and fond of ornaments, having washed himself and his, in parentheses, head, should be troubled, ashamed, full of loathing, because the carcass of a snake or of a dog or of a man hanging round the neck, even so, those monks who are troubled by their own bodies, ashamed of them and loathing them, both by themselves deprive themselves of life and also deprive one another of life. Having come up to Migalandika, let's check out the footnote on that one. Mm, he is not mentioned, nor as far as I know at any other passage. They don't know. They don't know. Okay, having come up to Megalandika, a sham recluse, they said, All right. quote, Be so good, your reverence, as to deprive us of life. This bowl and robe will become yours, end quote. Then Megalandika, the sham recluse, done a few of those myself, haven't you? Uh, a hireling for a bowl and robe deprived the company of monks of life. And taking a blood-stained knife, came up to the banks of the river Vagumuda. Then, while Migalandika, the sham recluse, was washing the large blood-stained knife, he became remorseful. He became repentant. Quote, that is bad for me. That is not good for me. That was wrongly gotten by me. That was not rightly gotten by me. Indeed, such demerit attaches to me because I, deprived, I deprived of life monks who were virtuous and of good conduct. End quote. Then a certain devata of the retinue of Mara. We know Mara, right? He's a bad, bad guy. In those diagrams of the wheel of samsara, he's the one munching on it. What was that movie about the Gnostics in Spain or Chile? I think it was filmed in Chile, but it was supposed to take place in Spain or vice versa. And, uh, well, anyway, he's the builder of the house. <laughs> That's a bad example. Okay, 
Um, coming on, okay, then a certain Devata of the retinue of Mara, so a bad guy, coming on unbroken water, they have good and bad in Buddhism, so, you know, we're in world, um, said to Migalandika, the sham recluse, quote, it is good, very man. Uh, it is good, very man. It is good for you. Very man. If a person talks like this, you know that they're working for Mara, I guess. It is rightly gotten by you, very man. Much merit attaches to you because you bring those across who had not crossed. End quote. Then Migalandika, the sham recluse, said, quote, It is said that it is good for me. It is said that it is rightly gotten by me. It is said that much merit attaches to me. It is said that I bring those across who had not crossed. End quote. And taking a sharp knife and going from Vihara to Vihara and from cell to cell, he said, quote, Who has not crossed? Whom do I bring across? End quote. Then those monks who were not devoid of passion were frightened at that time, in a state of concentration, their hair standing on end. But those monks who were devoid of passion were not frightened at that time, nor were they in a state of consternation, nor did their hair stand on end. Then Migalandika, the sham recluse, on a single day deprived one monk of life. On a single day he deprived two monks of life. On a single day, three dots. Three, three dots. On a single day, three dots. Four, three dots. On a single day, three dots. Five, on a single day. Excuse me, three dots on a single day. Three dots, ten. Three dots on a single day. Three dots. Twenty. Three dots on a single day. Three dots. 30 on a single day, 40 on a single day, 50, I'm leaving out the three dots. On a single day, he deprived 60 monks of life. That is even worse than the three dots. Now, the Lord, at the end of the half month, arising from his retreat for meditation, I can understand, you know, after these past couple uh, sections, having to deal with all of these, like, monks coming in, oh, it's okay if it's a, if it's a giraffe? Is it okay if I stole it because I, I wanted it? Is it okay? And he's like, I, can you guys give me like two weeks? I'm going to go meditate for two weeks. Just don't bother me with anything. Just bring me my food. I get it. I get it. All right. Now at the end, now the Lord at the end of the half month, arising from his retreat for meditation, addressed the venerable Ananda. Quote, Ananda, how is it that the company of monks is so diminished as it is? End quote. It is because, Lord, the Lord talked to the monks in many ways on the subject of the impure. He spoke in praise of the impure. He spoke in praise of increasing contemplation of, in parentheses, the impure. He spoke in praise of taking the impure as a stage in meditation. And, Lord, those monks said, quote, within quote within quote so Ananda's telling him quote 
The Lord has talked in many ways on the subject of the impure. He spoke in praise of the impure. Spoke in praise of increasing contemplation of, in parentheses, the impure. He spoke in praise of taking the impure as a stage in meditation. End quote. Within quote. Still within quotes, though. So, is in parentheses, those monks, in parentheses, dwelt intent upon the practice of contemplating the impure in its many different aspects. But, in parentheses, they were troubled by their own bodies, ashamed of them, loathing them. It is as if a woman or a man, when young and of tender years and fond of ornaments, having washed himself and his head, should be troubled, ashamed, full of loathing. Thank you. You know, I, I have to acknowledge he did not put all this in three dots. So, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Uh, full of loathing because of a carcass of a snake, of a dog, or of a man hanging round the neck. Even so, these monks who are troubled by their own bodies, ashamed of them and loathing them, both by themselves, deprive themselves of life, and also deprive one another of life. For having come up to Migalandika, the sham recluse, they said, Be so good, your reverence, as to deprive us of life. This bowl and robe will become yours. Then, Lord Migalandika, the sham recluse, a hireling for a bowl and a robe, on a single day deprived one monk of life, three dots. On a single day deprived sixty monks of life. It were good, Lord, if the Lord were to give another instruction so that the company of monks might be established in profound knowledge. End quote. Remember when Moses went away for 40 days? This is a little worse than that. He went away for two weeks and 60 people. Whew. All right. The Lord said, quote, Then Ananda called together in the assembly hall as many monks as dwell near Vesali. Vesali. Is it Vesali? how she pronounces it. Anyway, uh, very well, he said. And when the venerable Ananda had answered the Lord and had called together in the assembly hall as many monks as lived near Vishali, he came up to the Lord and having come up to him, he said, quote, Lord, the company of monks is assembled. Lord, does the Lord think that it is now the right time for this? End quote. Then the Lord came up to the assembly hall, and having come up, he sat down on the appointed seat. Sitting down, the Lord addressed the monks, saying, quote, This, monks, is the concentration with mindfulness on in-breathing and out-breathing, which, if developed and made much of, is good and excellent and pure and as a happy way of living. And it immediately destroys and allays the evil, wrong states which have arisen. If is av, as if, if if is as if if. I'm going to go ahead and assume that's a typo. It is as if, monks, in the last month of the hot weather, a big storm arising out of season destroys and allays the dust and dirt that have formed, even so, monks, concentration with mindfulness on in-breathing and out-breathing 
if developed and made much of, is good and excellent and pure and is a happy way of living and it immediately destroys and delays the evil wrong states which have arisen. You might have noticed me doing this every once in a while. It's because we're in that season he's talking about. Um, next week, supposedly, the rain will start, but only for a couple of days. But the weather predictors are often wrong, so we shall see if that happens. It's uh, currently 43, which I believe you folks in America call like 105 or something. I haven't done the math. Anyway, yes. Uh, even so, monks, con yes, right. And how, monks, if concentration with mindfulness on in-breathing and out-breathing he developed and made much of, does what is good and excellent and pure and a happy way of living immediately destroy and allay the evil wrong states which arise? Herein, monks, a monk going to the jungle, going to the foot of a tree, going to a lonely place, sits down, cross-legged, with back erect. Like this. Having caused mindfulness to be present in front of him. Mindful, he breathes out. Mindful, he breathes in. Breathing out is a long breath, he knows. I am breathing out a long breath. Breathing in a long breath, he knows. I am breathing in a long breath. Breathing out a short breath, he knows. I am breathing out a short breath. Breathing in a short breath, he knows. I am breathing in a short breath. He trains himself, saying, I will breathe out, conscious of the whole body. He trains himself, saying, I will breathe in, conscious of the whole body. He trains himself, saying, I will breathe out, quieting the body's constituents. He trains himself, saying, I will breathe in, quieting the body's constituents. He trains himself, saying, I will breathe out, three dots, I will breathe in, conscious of zest. He trains himself, saying, I will breathe out, three dots, I will breathe in, conscious of ease. He trains himself, saying, I will breathe out, three dots. I will breathe in, conscious of the mind's constituents. He trains himself, saying, I will breathe out, three dots. I will breathe in, quieting the mind's constituents. He trains himself, saying, I will breathe out, three dots, conscious, or excuse me, I will breathe in, conscious of the mind. He trains himself, saying, something, don't know. J.D. Horner didn't want us to know the teachings of the Buddha about breathing. Three dots. Satisfying the mind, three dots. Composing the mind, three dots. Detaching the mind, three dots. Realizing impermanence, three dots. Realizing passionlessness, three dots. Realizing stopping, three dots. Realizing renunciation. I believe that the Buddha's teachings are powerful enough to come through to us in spite of the three dots. I have to believe this. Thus, monks developing and making much of concentration with mindfulness on in-breathing and out-breathing is good and excellent and pure and is a happy way of living and it immediately destroys and delays the evil wrong states which have arisen. End quote. 
Then the Lord, for this reason, in this connection, having had the monks convened, asked the monks, Monks, is it true, as is said, that the monks by themselves deprived themselves of life, and also, parentheses, deprived one another of life, and having approached Migalandika, the sham recluse, spoke thus, Be so good, your reverence, as to deprive us of life. This bowl and robe will become yours. End quote. It is true, Lord, they replied. The enlightened one, the Lord, rebuked them, saying, Monks, it is not becoming for these monks. It is not seemly. It is not fit. It is not worthy of a recluse. It is not right. It should not be done. How can those monks by themselves deprive themselves of life? Three dots. How can they say three dots? This will become your bowl and robe. Monks, this is not for the benefit of non-believers. Three dots. And thus, monks, this course of training should be set forth. Whatever monk should intentionally deprive a human being of life or should look about so as to be his knife-bringer, he is also one who is defeated. He is not in communion. Thus this course of training for monks was made known by the Lord. All right. Jeez. Okay. So the big number three rule turns out to be murder and suicide, both. Murder and or, presumably. Okay, let's read a little more, shall we? All right, someone thinks they have an exception, right? That's probably what's going to be happening. He only said with a knife. He didn't say with a rope. I don't know. Let's see where this goes. At one time, a certain lay follower was ill. His wife was beautiful, comely, and pleasant. The group of six monks were enamored of this woman. Then the group of six monks thought, If this lay follower lives, your reverences, we cannot take this woman. Come, your reverences, let us praise the beauty of death to this lay follower. End quote. So the group of six monks, I mean, there's issues within issues within issues here. So the group of six monks came up to the lay follower and having come up to the lay follower said, quote, lay follower, you, has one, you are one who has done what is good, who has done what is profitable, who has won the shelter of the timid. Uh, that that is to say, um, well, some some commenter says that he has gained protection against the dread beings at the time of dying, possibly by means of a charm. Someone thought maybe that's what that means. You have not done evil. You have not been cruel. You have not been violent. What is good has been done by you. What is evil has not been done by you. What need have you of this evil, difficult life? Death would be better for you than life. Hence, when you have done your time, 
at the breaking up of the body after death, you will pass to a happy born, to a heaven world, there possessed of and provided with five diva deva like qualities of sensual pleasures, you will amuse yourself. Then the lay follower said, quote, Masters, you spoke the truth. For I have done what is good, I have done what is profitable, I have won the shelter of the timid, I have not done evil, I have not been cruel, I have not been violent. What is good has been done by me, what is evil has not been done by me. What need have I of this evil, difficult life? Death would be better for me than life. Hence, when I have done my time, at the breaking up of the body after death, I will pass to a happy born, a heaven world, then possessed of and provided with the five diva-like, deva-like qualities of sensual pleasures, I will amuse myself. Make heaven sound really like a Twilight Zone hell episode. He ate detrimental soft foods and detrimental hard foods. He tasted detrimental savory foods. He drank detrimental drinks. And because he had eaten detrimental soft foods, three dots, detrimental drinks, a sore affliction arose on account of which he died. His wife was grieved, vexed, angry, and said, These recluses, sons of the Sakyans, are shameless and of low morality, liars, and they pretend to be Dhamma followers, walking by right, those leading the Brahma life, speakers of truth, virtuous, of good character. There is no recluseship among these. There is no Brahmahood among these. Destroyed is recluseship among these. Destroyed is Brahmahood among these. Where is recluseship among these? Where is Brahmanhood among these? Fallen from recluseship are these. Fallen from Brahmahood are these. These praised the beauty of death to my husband, and these my husband has killed. End quote. And some people were angry and said, quote, three dots. These have departed from Brahmanhood. These praised the beauty of death to the lay follower. By these lay follower has been the lay follower has been killed. End quote. The monks heard these people who were annoyed, vexed, and angry. Those who were modest monks were annoyed, vexed, angry, and said, quote, How could the group of six monks praise the beauty of death to the lay follower? End quote. Then these monks told this matter to the Lord. Quote, it is true, as is said, monks, is it true, as is said, monks, that you praised the beauty of death to the lay follower? End quote. He said, it is true, Lord, they said. The enlightened one, the Lord, rebuked them, saying, foolish men, it is not becoming, it is not seemly, it is not suitable, it is not worthy of a recluse, it is not right. It should not be done. Why did you, foolish men, praise the beauty of death to the lay follower? Foolish men, this is not for the benefit of non-believers. Three dots. And thus, monks, this course of training should be set forth. Whatever monk should intentionally deprive a human being of life, or should look about so as to be his knife-bringer, or should praise the beauty of death, 
or should incite anyone to death, saying, Hello there, my man. Of what use to you is this evil, difficult life? Death is better for you than life, end quote, within quote. Or who should deliberately and purposefully in various ways praise the beauty of death or should incite anyone to death, he also is one who is defeated. He is not in communion. Whatever means he who, three dots, remember last time? Monk means three dots, remember last time? Page 73, we're on page 126. Just think back to page 73. Oh, it has three dots on page 73. Just think back to page uh, 41, I think. All right, love the dots. Ooh, I love them. Oh, oh, I love the dots because... They, they, um, they tempt me to diverge from the path of, of bliss and peace and serenity into a realm of absolute hate and rage. That's why I love them, because, you know, without Judas, yeah, we wouldn't have the New Testament, would we? All right. Intentionally means a transgression committed knowingly consciously, deliberately. Human being means from the minds first arising, from the time of consciousness becoming first manifest in a mother's womb until the time of death, here, meanwhile, he is called a human being. Mm -hmm. Should deprive of life means he cuts off the faculty of life, destroys it, harms its duration. Or should look about as to be his knife bringer means a knife or a dagger or an arrow or a cudgel or a stone or a sword or poison or a rope. Or should praise the beauty of death means he shows danger in living and speaks in praise of death, speaks praise of death. Or should incite one to death with one in parentheses means he says, quote, take a sword or eat poison or do your time having hanged yourself with a rope. End quote. Hello there, my man, means, this is a form of address. Of what use to you is this evil, difficult life means, life is called evil. The life of the poor is evil compared to the life of the rich. The life of the unwealthy is evil compared to the life of the wealthy. The life of mankind is evil compared to the life of the devas. Difficult life means when the hands are cut off, when the feet are cut off, when both the hands and the feet are cut off, when the ears are cut off, when the nose is cut off, when both the ears and the nose are cut off, because of this evil and because of this difficult life, he says, death is better for you than life. Deliberately means, as the mind, so the thought, as the thought, so the mind. That's what deliberately means. All right. Purposefully means, conscious of death, thinking of death, Intending death. In many ways means in manifold matters. M manners. In manifold manners. Hmm. I like that phrase. Or should praise the beauty of death means he shows danger in living and speaks of the beauty of death. Saying, quote, you, deceasing hence, at the breaking up of the body after death, will pass to a happy born. 
a, uh, a heaven world there possessed of and provided with five deva-like qualities of sensual pleasures, you will amuse yourself. Mm. Or should incite one, in parentheses, to death means, he says, quote, take a sword, or eat poison, or do your time having hanged yourself with a rope, or falling into a deep ravine, or into a pit, or down a steep precipice. He also means it is called so, referring to the preceding. Is one who is defeated means just as a flat stone which has been broken in half cannot be put together again, so the monk who has intentionally deprived a human being of life is not a true recluse, not a true son of the Sakyans, and therefore called one who is defeated. True was in parentheses, by the way. I mention only because that, that word was added just to help us understand the meaning. Is not a recluse, is not a son of the Sakyans, is what it actually said, if translated into English. Okay. <sighs> is not in communion means communion is called one work, one rule, and equal training. This is called communion. He who is not together with this is therefore called not in communion. Thank you, sir, for not putting that in dots, even though it was written before. It's an arbitrary choice, but I appreciate when you make the correct choice, sir. Sincerely. <sighs> Himself, by volitional force, by a messenger, by a series of messengers, by a, kind, by a special kind of messenger, by a messenger gone and returned again, not in secret, thinking to be in secret, in secret, thinking not to be in secret, not in secret, thinking to be not in secret, in secret, thinking to be in secret. He praises by means of the body. He praises by means of the voice. He praises by means of both the body and the voice. He praises by means of a messenger. He praises by means of a writing, a pitfall, a support, a trap, medicine, offering a sight, offering a sound, offering a smell, offering a taste, offering a touch, offering dhamma, announcement, instruction, making a rendezvous, making a sign. So that's like the chapter heading of this next section, the list of the things that we're going to be talking about from here forward for a while. Okay. Himself means he himself kills by means of the body or by something attached to the body or by something that may be cast. By volitional force means exerting volitional force. He commands, hit thus, strike thus, kill thus. A monk commands a monk saying, Deprive so-and-so of life. There is an offense of wrongdoing. He, thinking this is the person deprived him of life, there is an offense involving defeat for both. A monk commands a monk, saying, Deprive so-and-so of life. There is an offense of wrongdoing. He, thinking this is the person deprives another of life, there is no offense for the instigator, there is an offense involving defeat for the murderer. See, there it is again. There it is again, same as last time. Where it's seen, it sounds like it's the same situation. 
deprives another of life. Okay, let me, there is a slight difference. Let's see. He thinking this is the person deprives him of life. There is an offense involving defeat for both. Okay. On the other hand, he thinking this is the person deprives another of life. There is no offense for the instigator. There is an offense involving defeat for the murderer. Okay. So that was a similar situation as with the theft. So it seems, and there were dots in the one involving theft, so it was confusing. It seems to be saying that if a monk tells another monk to kill someone, and that monk kills the wrong person, thinking that was the person that he meant, then the original monk that said, go kill that monk, is fine. Uh, but the monk who killed him is thrown out. But if he kills the correct person, then they're both thrown out. An odd rule, but you know, just for clarification's sake, not, okay, I like it. No, I, I don't really, I mean, you know, when it comes to this sort of thing, this is again, two millennia plus years ago, so they had maybe a slightly different way of approaching these things. I mean, people can't even agree today on what should be the penalty for this kind of behavior, right? I mean, Buddha wasn't a king. He was the head of an order. So his thing went as far as you kick him out. And then if the king has uh, some, more, some more dealings with him on account of the murder, then uh, presumably they would turn him over and it wouldn't just be an in-house thing like with the Catholic Church and their molester problem. You know, handling it in-house and not getting the law involved. I mean... Hopefully the law gets involved too. Okay, you're not a monk anymore, and that king is going to put you in a dungeon or string you up. All right, well, who knows? Who knows? I don't know. We don't have a, a time machine, so maybe it'll. Maybe we'll hear some more examples. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. A monk commands a monk saying, tell so-and-so, let so-and-so, tell so-and-so, let so-and-so, deprive so-and-so of life. There is an offense of wrongdoing. The murderer accepts, three dots. There is a grave offense for the instigator. He deprives him of life, three dots. There is an offense involving defeat. A monk commands a monk, saying, tell so-and-so, let so-and-so, tell so-and-so, let so-and-so, deprive so-and-so of life. There is an offense uh, of wrongdoing. He commands another, there is an offense of wrongdoing. The murderer, the murderer accepts there is an offense of wrongdoing. He deprives him of life. There is no offense for the instigator. There is an offense evolving defeat for the one who gives the orders and for the murderer. The murderer accepts there is an offense and he deprives him of life. There is no offense for the instigator. A monk commands a monk saying, tell so-and-so, let so-and-so tell so-and-so, let so-and-so deprive so-and-so of life. So the person, the monk who says, hey, we should have that monk tell that monk to kill so-and-so. The one who told the guy who did the murder and the murderer, they're thrown out. But the guy who said, nah, let's have him tell him to. Again, I don't quite understand it, but, you know, these, that's what it seems to say. Um, okay. A monk commands a monk, saying, deprive so-and-so of life, there is an offense of wrongdoing. Going, he comes back again, saying, 
quote, I am not able to deprive him of life. End quote. He commands him again, saying, if you can, then deprive him of life. There is an offense of wrongdoing. He deprives him of life. There is an offense involving defeat for both. A monk commands a monk, saying, deprive so-and-so of life. There is an offense of wrongdoing. Having commanded, he is remorseful, but does not declare, do not kill him. He deprives him of life. There is an offense involving defeat for both. A monk commands a monk, saying, deprive so-and-so of life. There is an offense of wrongdoing. Having commanded, he is remorseful and declares, do not kill him. He says, I am commanded by you and deprives him of life. There is no offense for the instigator and there is an offense involving defeat for the murderer. That kind of makes sense, right? Because the guy who said, go kill him, was like, well, no, I changed my mind. I changed my mind. Don't kill him. And the murderer was like, but you told me to kill him. Right. So the murderer is guilty and the guy who changed his mind gets to remain a monk. Okay. A monk commands a monk saying, three dots. Who knows? Having commanded, he is remorseful and declares, do not kill him. He says very well and desists. There is no offense for either. Okay. Not in secret thinking to be in secret, he calls out, if only so-and-so were killed, there is an offense of wrongdoing. In secret thinking not to be in secret, three dots. Not in secret thinking not to be in secret, three dots. In secret thinking to be in secret, three dots, there is an offense of wrongdoing. Okay. He praises by means of the body, means. He makes a gesture with his body saying, whoever dies thus receives wealth or receives glory or goes to heaven. There is an offense of wrongdoing. He says, on account of this praise, I will die and produces a painful feeling, there is a grave offense. If he dies, there is an offense involving defeat. He praises by means of the voice, means he proclaims by the voice, whoever dies thus, three dots, if he dies, there is an offense involving defeat. He praises by means of the body and the voice, means he makes a gesture with the body and proclaims by the voice, whoever dies thus, three dots, three dots, if he dies, there is an offense involving defeat. He praises by means of a messenger means he gives instruction to a messenger saying whoever dies thus receives wealth or receives glory or goes to heaven. There is an offense of wrongdoing. Having heard the messenger's instruction, one says I will die and produces a painful feeling. There is a grave offense. If he dies, there is an offense involving defeat. He praises by means of a writing means he cuts a writing saying whoever dies thus receives wealth or receives glory or goes to heaven. End quote. There is an offense of wrongdoing for each syllable. Having seen the writing, he says, I will die. He produces a painful feeling. There is a grave offense. If he dies, there is an offense involving defeat. A pitfall means he digs a pitfall for a man, saying, falling into it, he will die. There is an offense of wrongdoing. If the man falls down into it, there is an offense of wrongdoing. In falling down, a painful feeling arises. There is a grave offense. If he dies, there is an offense involving defeat. He digs a pitfall without a purpose and says of whoever falls in it, he will die. There is an offense of wrongdoing. A man falls down into it. There is an offense of wrongdoing. In falling down, a painful feeling arises. There is a grave offense. If he dies, there is an offense involving defeat. 
a yaka, or departed one, or an animal in human form falls down into it, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If in falling down a painful feeling arises, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If he dies, there is a grave offense. All right. So as the slide scale slides over, human life a little bit more valuable, apparently. An animal falls down into it, there is an offense of wrongdoing. In, pitfall, in falling down, a painful feeling arises, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If he dies, there is an offense uh, requiring expiation. And we haven't gotten to expiation yet. He's made reference to that. Lying uh, deliberately uh, requires expiation. A support means he puts a dagger in a support or smears it with poison or makes it weak or he arranges it in a deep ravine or a pit or a steep precipice and says, falling down, he will die. There's an offense of wrongdoing. A painful feeling arises on account of the dagger or the poison or the fall. There's a grave offense. If he dies, there's an offense involving defeat. A trap means he secretly deposits a knife or a dagger or an arrow or a cudgel or a stone or a sword or poison or rope, saying because of this he will die. There is an offense of wrongdoing. He says, I will die on account of this, and produces a painful feeling. There is a grave offense. If he dies, there is an offense involving defeat. Medicine means he gives ghee or fresh butter or oil or honey or molasses, saying, quote, having tasted this, he will die. End quote. There is an offense of wrongdoing. In tasting it, a painful feeling arises. There is a grave offense. If he dies, there is an offense involving defeat. Offering a sight means he arranges a dreadful sight, saying, seeing this frightful, horrible thing and being terrified, he will die. There is an offense of wrongdoing. Seeing it, he is terrified. There is an offense. There is an offense, it says. Uh, if he dies, there is an offense involving defeat. I think a grave offense was what that should have said. And uh, if he dies, there's an offense involving defeat. He arranges a lovely sight, saying, seeing this, and if it fades without his getting it, he will die. There is an offense of wrongdoing. Seeing this, it fades without his getting it. There is a grave offense. If he dies, there's an offense involving defeat. Let's close there, shall we? I guess there's a bit more to read. Um, yeah, we're not going to be able to finish this section um, today. So we'll finish it uh, next time. And um, it might end up being a short episode next time because I would rather, um, you know, end that section and then begin Parajika 4 uh, thereafter. It seems to, a pattern seems to be emerging as well that each of these are a bit shorter than the one previous. So the sex stuff was the longest, then the thieving, and then this, it seems to be a bit shorter. Uh, so we should be able to cover it in, in uh, two episodes, with one of them probably being a bit shorter than an hour. So that was a bit of a downer, wasn't it? Monks running around killing each other. Not exactly what we had in mind, right? Um, people think, oh, Buddhism. I will learn about Buddhism. Tell me of the wisdom. Is it like the memes? Is it like what the memes say? You know, stop giving a shit. You know, or whatever the meme says that Buddha said. You can guarantee that Buddha said this stuff. That other stuff, not so much. Not even the Mahayana stuff, let alone the memes. I was thinking of doing like a, like there's that parallel sayings of Jesus and Buddha. 
And do like, it is better that you should put your male organ into the mouth of a poisonous snake on one hand. And then like, I don't know, something Jesus saying uh, on the other. You know, like the, the point of that book is that, oh, it's the same thing in two different words. But I could write one where they're different things. But why? It's, in my humorous mind, it would make sense. But someone could interpret that as, oh, he seems to be saying that, you know, what? no, I'm not saying anything. Okay, well, thank you for your presence for this uh, very interesting section. And, uh, you know, yeah, I guess if you're, if you're establishing basic rules for monks, then surely murder and suicide, uh, you know, or, or, or instigating, trying to convince others to commit suicide and, and all this kind of stuff is, uh, is definitely out. You know, I, I won't name names, but there are, uh, there are uh, let's say, schools of thought in which uh, people are encouraged to commit suicide in uh, violent ways uh, with the promise of, of heavenly things afterward. And that, that seems to be, obviously, it's not, not something in that entire school of thought, but it's a sliver of it. But it's nice that the Buddha is establishing this early on in the basic, basic, basic you know, uh, rules so that no one can ever claim that that is uh, something that they ought to be doing. Of course, it seems, uh, seems that, you know, more recent, you know, uh, uh, 1500 as opposed to 2500 years ago, uh, forms of Buddhism have gotten away from some of the other basic rules, not the thieving, not the killing, but, you know, certainly you've seen the statues, right? Um, but, well, anyway, as far as monks go, remember these are rules for monks. So the rules for lay followers are a little bit more laxed. But still, I don't think that they should be encouraging people to commit suicide or, or anything either. So there you have it. Um, thank you for going on this ride with me again. It is an interesting ride. And if you're in it for the long haul, bless you. And uh, don't forget, if you don't mind, you know, on that note, um, let us close, shall we? All right. To the north and to the south, to the east and to the west, to the spirits of light among us and to the spirits below, we send out our reverent love and compassion. May all beings be happy. May all beings be serene. May all beings be in peace. Oh. Until next time.